1: Hello, I'm Scott Soschnick. And I'm Evan Novi Williams. And this is the New Jersey has New Jersey's sports business podcast, the Sportacast.
2: I will give you decent marks. I thought you were going to say, you know, this is a devil of a podcast or something, but not bad. Uh, so, guest Jake Reynolds. President of said New Jersey Devils. Mr. Jake, how are you? I am doing
0: very well. Scott, Evan, appreciate you having me on. I'd much rather be having this conversation in person, but I can't do that. This is the next best thing.
2: I will say, though, like of all the sports executives during this downtime that I have seen in person, you may be the one I've seen the most. I mean, the, there's been handshakes and hugs at the Prudential Center like you and I. You healthy? Yes. I'm healthy. Yes. Yes. I don't mind. So, I, I mean, I've seen you plenty. So, this is like a real treat. This is. You, you and I have had a chance to
0: see each other, spend some time together, watch some great Devils hockey. I will say, though, the last time I saw Evan was at the U.S. Open on the hurricane night where it took me six and a half hours to get home. So, that was an adventure and one that we will certainly remember for quite some time.
1: I did not realize it could it could rain inside and out in inside an arena a closed in arena but somehow uh, it, it managed to do that
0: inside outside we were, we were with the elevate crew I tried to leave at 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. they wouldn't allow us to leave because the weather was so bad uh, I was with our good friend Al Guido we were taking a van down wrong one ways trying to just find a way home and at 5:59 a.m. I walked through my door much to my wife's chagrin.
2: Yeah, well, at least this was a professional endeavor. I was the idiot driving home from youth hockey from Stamford, Connecticut, all the way to New Jersey, because like, you know the team manager was like, "Well, it says heavy rain, but that should be fine." right? No, you wouldn't want to cancel the youth hockey practice just because of like some mega hurricane coming. It happens, it happens. What are we going to do? Tell me about the hockey business, Jake. Give me top line. What do I need to know? 30,000- foot. The business of hockey. What what are the themes that we need to hit?
0: The hockey business is is rolling right now. This has been a, a really fun year. Obviously, it was a, a, a challenging and difficult, you know, past 20 months for, for everybody in, in our industry. But as we've come out of that, it's been an incredible time to, to be a hockey fan. So obviously we have the new TV deal, the new broadcast deal, which has been incredible. So, you know, Gary Bettman, Bill Daly and, and the league being able to a deal with ESPN and with Turner has been absolutely incredible just for the sport of hockey the growth of hockey you know continuing to extend the audience and be able to draw in more casual fans we are already seeing the the benefits of that and it's been really fun and rewarding to be able to kind of watch that story continue to grow and then just the investment in digital and content across the board has has been pretty fun and inspiring to, to watch I think that goes hand with you know obviously ESPN plus, feature report, start talking about just the extensions in and around the the digital side of particularly hockey and and the exposure there. It's been incredible for the growth of the game.
2: What, What was it that the commissioner said something to the effect of, well, if ESPN ignores us like half as much or promotes us half as much as they'd ignored us when we were not their property, fantastic line to emphasize the promotional capabilities Of Mickey Mouse and the network. I mean, there is a big difference when you're on ESPN. I mean, I see you now on the phone. Look, oh, look, it's hockey stories. Oh, look, they're right up there on top. And there is a difference when you are part of the properties, right?
0: There, there is no doubt. And like the the prime example was we we had our home opener on October 15th against the Chicago Blackhawks. It was a special game. We ended up winning in overtime. Jack Hughes scored a ridiculous goal. I receive more notes and more text messages coming off of that goal than I have at any point in, in my career. And, and I talk about just the power and the reach of, of ESPN and what that brings. Like Jack, Jack Hughes, that put him on the map as a superstar.
2: Well, what put him on the map? Was it the goal, or in today's day of social media and promotion, was it the chuck of the stick? Into the crowd because yes, we saw the goal, but I think we would have seen the goal anyway on your standard highlights. But where you really brought other people in was the fact that he, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt, in an impromptu, a bullient moment, chucked the stick into the crowd.
0: May go down as the greatest celebration of all time. I'm slightly biased. <laughs> yeah, just a, a little biased go, there, right? My, my. Um, but I mean, there's kind of three prompts to this, right? One is the actual goal and how incredible and just skilled he was score that was was something special then you talk about the selly throwing the stick into the crowd was a pretty epic moment then the third piece is just the reach that that this had because of the extensions whether it was the bleach report whether it was espn and sports center in the top 10 the exposure that that goal received where in previous years that may have hit a, a couple top 10s this was Everywhere. And I I was having people come out of the woodworks talking about what a star Jack Hughes is. And I think that's the power and the reach of, of ESPN.
1: So, so how does that change kind of your, your day-to-day, the, the, the conversations you have with brands, for example, when, when, when you're talking about the reach that the Devils have, is the pitch different this year than it was last year or, or two years ago? If if you do have kind of a, a lot of games that are being broadcast on ESPN, if you have more promotional uh, on the website and on SportsCenter, et cetera, is this something that actually changes the pitch that you have in your conversations?
0: Yeah, I, I think there, there are a couple key components to that. That is certainly one of them. The second is I give a tremendous amount of credit to to the NHL league office when you rewind over the course of the last 20 months, right? We weren't allowed to have fans in the building. Everything was shut down. There was a level of creativity and innovation in terms of, you know, kind of how we were partnering with different brands and, and exposing them to obviously the game of hockey, but a much wider audience, whether it was the virtual NI signage, whether it was the seat covers, whether it was the wrap in and around the glass whether it was the helmet decals that have, have come to fruition. You have all of these new assets and pieces of inventory that the league you know, initiated and instituted that we were able to capitalize and take advantage of. And you start looking forward in 22, 23, we are going to have a patch on the sweaters for, for the first time for the NHL. So when you start adding all these elements and then you start talking about the impressions, the ratings, the increases across the board for brands who are looking to, to kind of reach wider audiences, that has to be one of your key points that you lean into and that you're, you're selling against because it is just a, such a broader audience and a broader reach that, that we can go and capitalize and provide the exposure to those brands. Then also creatively, it's like, how are we integrating them within our own content and then amplifying that through, through our platforms as well as some of the national platforms?
2: You know I think the NFL gets unfairly criticized every now and then that's because it's measured against the NFL and sometimes the NBA it's not those leagues and that's okay. you have a kind of dual North American broadcast agreement you have the Canadian agreement you have the u s so in aggregate, pretty darn good. but the question to you is how do you win new casual sports fans in the United States who perhaps have never played the game and that's probably a, a large percentage of folks in the us and haven't been to a game. I know if you go to a game and you know, I'm biased because I'm a hockey guy. If you go to a game and you're like, man, that was a lot more entertaining than for me, NFL, MLB, NBA. You know? But you need the people to sample the product. How do you get those new fans?
0: No question. And, and I relate this back. I'll, I'll take you back into my old ticket sales days. Right? You talk about bringing people in and getting them on the escalator. You want to bring someone in, get them to, to get to one game. Then you upsell them into a partial plan. Then you upsell them into full season tickets. It's about the exposure, the access, and just giving them an opportunity to taste that product. I look at this in a very similar light in the sense of like hockey has been traditionally somewhat of a niche sport. And it has not drawn in the casual fan to to the extent that I think we would like to. But the exposure that we are receiving from a Turner, from an ESPN, it's giving that casual fan who may not have watched hockey previously on TV or who may not have come out to games, but it's giving them that reach. It's giving them that exposure to where, okay, Hey, I have an interest. I'm going to check out a game. They check out a game on TV. They watch it. They start to fall in love with the sport. They understand it. Next thing you know, they're coming out to a, a single game. Then they're coming out to a, you know 10 games. And then all of a sudden they're Scott Soshnik and they're coming out to 41 Devils games.
2: Now, no, now, no. no, no.
0: <laughs> I love it. I wouldn't have it any
2: other way. Spelled Scott Sloschnick, pronounced Aaron Ravel, <laughs> <laughs> who is now a, a season ticket holder, an official Devils season ticket holder. Absolutely.
1: A- along these lines, Jake. W- We've written a bit at Sportico in the past few weeks about how scan rates across sports are are down a bit than, than where they were pre pandemic. We had uh, Jack Gretzinger, the CEO of, of SeatGeek, on the podcast last week. He was extremely bullish on 2022 for sports and and especially on the concert side. W- what are you seeing right now? Are, are are things still depressed? Are you seeing? Are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? What do you see right now when you look at your ticket sales retention and all that? As we sit here, kind of in the tale of the pandemic, knock on wood.
0: Yes. And I've had this conversation with so many executives across our our business, and there are some consistent themes that we're kind of seeing throughout. And I think as it relates to, you know, obviously the post-pandemic bounce, we were in a a very fortunate position that, you know, our managing partners, David Blitzer and Josh Harris, um, we were able to keep everybody on staff. We did not have to furlough or lay anybody off and we talked a lot about the you know a V-shaped recovery and being prepared for, for that bounce back coming out of the pandemic. And we've been really fortunate that, that we were able to, to maintain all that staff and, and are getting to the point where we will, will bounce back to our 1920 pre-COVID numbers this year, which I think is incredibly encouraging there. And then you talk about just the engagement. And I think one of the things that is shared uh, as it relates to concern across the board are scan rates, right? You know, from a season ticket member standpoint, um, you know, what we we are seeing is there's always a little bit of a drop off no matter what season you're in early on. You're competing with back to school. You're competing with the NFL. You have the NBA. And the Typically, you'll see those spikes come January, February, post Super Bowl. You see that ramp up really aggressively. We're, we're seeing a lot of consistency here. Um, you know, our single game sales are up. The scan rates on those are at 99 percent. Group sales across the board, it's a mixed bag. We are on pace for a record-setting year this year on groups, so we've been pretty fortunate on on that front. And our scan rates are are really high there. We're in the high 90% as it relates to that. Season tickets is is typically the area across the business right now that we're seeing the the lowest level of scan rates. And so part of that may be it's 41 games. Part of that is coming out of of the pandemic. What we're focused on is what does the opportunity look like to, to continue to engage them, in a way that normally we have events, we have player access, we have autograph sessions. that Right now, we do not have the ability to, to tap into that access. So how can we get creative and continue to provide value outside of just the ticket to a game? So whether that's a you know, a virtual autograph signing, which we have done a number of, whether that is you know, Q&As with our players, our coaches, our GM, and being able to handle that virtually. How do we just continue to drive the engagement levels with, with our fan base? both outside of of the games, which will then hopefully be able to kind of have that domino effect, continue to get them into the arena.
1: And to clear things up for, for listeners, scan rates being the tickets that are sold that are actually used by fans who come to the arena. There's obviously two different metrics, and I know you pay attention to both, but how do you think about which one kind of being more important? It's You obviously want to sell as many tickets as you can. People who don't come and use those tickets are not buying concessions, not buying merchandise, maybe not experiencing the, the things that, as you said, make them want to come back again. How, how do you kind of balance these two metrics as figuring out right, the best way to tell how you guys are doing from a ticketing and an attendance standpoint?
0: Yeah, and, and I look at them a little bit a little bit separately. So as it relates to, to season tickets, obviously you're committing to 41 games. That's a, a massive commitment for anyone. We all know time is our most valuable commodity. So someone showing up to 41 games, that's a significant commitment. So if you're a quarter of the way through the season and those season ticket members are only scanning in half the game, That impact, you're you're not going to feel it as much right now. The per caps, absolutely. The merchandise, you'll feel it a little bit there. But more importantly, it's about the renewal that is coming in for the 22-23 season. So we know kind of what those KPIs are, whether it's, you know, number of games consecutively attended, the engagements on social, the amount of email opens that we're receiving. So we have a, you know, decision tree and, and a model that identifies those individuals who may be deemed more at risk. And then we have put together kind of a touchpoint plan to make sure that we are engaging them. So we're not getting to, you know, December, January. And some of those season ticket member scan rates are lower than what we expected. And then this year, when we go out with renewals in February, we want to make sure that they continue to see the value on that standpoint. So we are looking at it from the long lens in terms of how are we putting ourselves in the best position to engage and continue to grow our season ticket base. And then in the more immediate future, it's focusing on, okay, how are we driving scan rates now so that, one, you're creating a home ice atmosphere and a home ice advantage. Two is you are driving and delivering against those per caps, um, food and beverage, merchandise, you name it. But then also that reach for just getting new fans in the building. We think there's a tremendous opportunity, particularly for the stage of where our team is, to be able to grow that next generation of, of Devils fans.
2: A little late in the interview for what we call in the biz the mid-interview reset, but I'll do it right now anyway, even though we're like three quarters, you know. Jake Reynolds, president of the New Jersey Devils. And this is just going to be audio, but I can see you right now, Jake. And by the way, Lyra Toscani Weems has her purple hat on. You know, we can see her as well. Very helpful. But behind you sits a basketball as well, because your parent company, even though you put blitzer before Harris earlier, I mean, there there could be an email waiting for you when you're done with the interview here. But the parent company Harris Blitzer also owns the Philadelphia 76ers, and we have talked to Sam Kennedy and a a bunch of other executives about these companies as platform companies. It's not enough just to own a sports team anymore. When I see prospective owners evaluating opportunities, they look at media, they look at real estate. What is the holistic view of Harris Blitzer as a sports and entertainment platform company?
0: And that's, that's where it starts, right? You know, you talk about Josh Harris and David Blitzer. I would say the first word that comes to mind for, for both of them are visionaries. And they've had a vision for what they wanted this to be. You know, this started as a basketball team, right? This started as the Philadelphia 76ers. You zoom out o- over what the last nine years have looked like. And all of a sudden, you have the Philadelphia 76ers. You have the New Jersey Devils. You have the Prudential Center. You have the Grammy Museum. You have Crystal Palace of the English Premier League team. You have Dignitas, which is in the esports space. Then you talk about some of the other properties that, that we have. You know, White Eagle Hall, which is the local venue here in Jersey City. Talk about Woolman Rink, you know, it's obviously an incredible legacy opportunity in the middle of New York City that you know we've partnered with and, and are operating. You have the Lowe's Theater in Jersey City as well. So you start talking about what the platform is, what the extensions are, and where you can find scale and efficiencies in this business. And it's a an pretty incredible opportunity. And then you have leaders, you know, like Josh and David and Scott O'Neill previously and Ad Brown now. And you start to, to kind of forecast what the next 12 months, 24 months, and five years look like. This is an ambitious group, and that's what is exciting as we wake up every single day thinking about how do we continue to grow this brand and grow this business.
2: Uh, My son learned how to play and skate on Woman Rink. I mean, great backdrop, great venue. And you know, I'll give you one guess. Do you know who I would frequently bump into, literally and figuratively, on the ice while the kid was in the lesson?
0: Good question. I would throw Josh and David out there because I know they have both Kind of grown up, taking their kids to boom. David Blitzer, well. David Blitzer. David Blitzer. Fre-
2: frequently saw him circling. So there's nothing better for a reporter than to have sort of like a captured audience. Where is he going to go? Right? He's on the ice. He's on blades. I can skate faster than he can skate. So he, he literally could not get away from me. I was
0: going to say, did so, you throw a hip, did you throw a hip check in there? Never,
2: place? never. Only on my kid. But with with Blitz, it was always like, oh, good. Now we got some time to talk. Let's go round and round. You know, when when you had to go the other way, when they finally switch it up, that's where it gets more difficult for some people. But it, it was the place we. Wanna, we wanted to be. Yeah, you know, look down that road for me. What What do you see for for the devils? Where, where's the real revenue opportunity moving forward? If, if you want to look one, three, whatever the horizon is, where's the big opportunity?
0: Yeah, you know, we I've talked a lot about internally, just like the perfect storm that is coming, and and for us, that is you look at just the rich history that that we have as an organization. It's only been around since 1982. We'll be celebrating our 40th anniversary next year. We have three Stanley Cups. And so it's just this incredible legacy that, that has been built over a short amount of time. So you, you take that, you layer in just the growth of hockey, where that is now, where that's at right now, and the trajectory of where it's headed. You look at the ESPN deal, the Turner deal, and then you look on the ice in terms of kind of where this team is right now. And, you know, we've got a 10 to 12 year run ahead of us that we think that we will be consistent contenders for Stanley Cup. And so you talk about having those assets in your back pocket and how you can leverage that to be able to drive and grow this business. There's such an incredible opportunity. I would say number one is on kind of the digital front and and the sponsorship side. Um, We were fortunate as we kind of look back about three and a half years ago, we started investing heavily into content. We had a team of two that we had grown to a team of 11 kind of pre-pandemic, which served us incredibly well as we entered into the pandemic. Everything became digital. You've heard this phrase of, of make goods. You do not have your traditional in-arena signers that you're able to, to capture and capitalize on, but how can we get creative? How can we integrate and create different content platforms with, with our partners? So I think that has, has served incredibly well. I think the growth in terms of how teams leverage that, particularly as it from a, a sponsorship vehicle, is going to be really fun to watch. And then you, know, you start to look at just the, the premium space is going to be really interesting because You know, I think there was a a traditional premium approach prior to the pandemic. Uh, It was starting to shift away from your traditional 16 to 20 person suites into more of kind of those bite-sized premium opportunities before the pandemic. The pandemic hits and it's just accelerated that even more. So, you know, we have been seeing incredible growth. We're up about 19% on the premium front uh, this year compared to, to years past. And I think a lot of that is coming off of, of the pandemic, people wanting that, that private premium experience. So how does that product continue to evolve is something that, that we're heavily focused on. And then, you know, we talk a lot about revenue maximization. It's like, how are we making this process from the street to the seat as seamless as possible for our fans? And make that, whether that is, you know, obviously going to a cashless venue, whether that is, you know, the parking to digital ticketing. To you know, wagering in in arena and what that looks like, and the engagement that that is going to drive. There's so many opportunities that technology is is providing. For us, the goal is continuing to stay on the forefront of it and continue to innovate.
1: Jake, I want to make sure we get to some of the news that happened this week. We're we're recording this kind of right after the Devils announced uh, a third jersey, black jersey. It says jersey on the front as a jersey guy. Personally, I I love it. Um, I'm always curious about the economics of third jerseys. If you don't mind, if you could just kind of walk us through what what you think this announcement, what it means. Is it just a a flash of sales in the next couple of weeks? Is it something you guys are planning to wear for the next 10 years? Just give us a sense of kind of from a, from an economic standpoint for a team, what having a, a third jersey that fans like, what that means from a revenue standpoint.
0: Yes. And this has been an incredible process. And we've said it internally a number of times. This has been a labor of love. And so, you know, we are pretty fortunate whenever you can have someone who is known as the GOAT leaning in and helping design what that third jersey looks like, you're in a pretty good spot. So, Scott, if you know any impressionable young goalies that, that might be interested in that, uh, it's, you know, we might be in a good spot there. Hey, you, but,
2: you, ha- you know, as well as anybody, my son, like you, you and I are talking or whatever, I look over and, you know, he and Marty Bordeaux, my son Jackson and Marty Bordeaux are talking goaltending. Like they're not just talking nothing. And I mean, whatever, this is our podcast. We can do what we want to hijack for a second. I mean, you'll like this. He's on the ice one day with, uh, with his goalie coach and the team. And so a pass went across the crease and Jackson stood up and made a save and his coach called him over. And I found out that all this was told to me by the coach afterward. And he said, I'm just curious, why did you stay up instead of slide across? And he said, well, because the guy on the other side was a righty and I knew he couldn't one time it. So I had that split second extra to stay up and get in position. And his coach said, okay, cool, and sent him on his way. And then he comes up to me after practice. He's like, what the heck is that? That's like 16-year-old goaltending. That's not 12-year-old goaltending. Where did he come up with that? And I said, no, Marty Brodeur. And he's like, yeah, no, right, really. Like, Did you watch a video or something? I said, no, 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 no. He was talking to Marty Brodeur. I'm, I'm being serious. Marty told him that. And it's good to know that at least Jackson listens to somebody. It's not but me.
1: Paying attention to the right people there. Yeah, exactly. If you're you ignore-
2: going to ignore somebody, that's a pretty good person to have him listen to. So yes.
0: the the greatest of all time is is not a bad mentor to have for for a young
2: goalie. Yeah, and by the way, but you you brought up those jerseys and you know what? I want jerseys for these other teams, but I didn't know like they pay homage to like the first three pro teams in jersey. I had never heard of the Newark Bulldogs, the Rivervale Skeets, and the Jersey Larks. I don't know about you, Eben, but I'm down for a Rivervale Skeets jersey. I don't know what that looks yeah, like, yeah, but I'm me all the Skeets down
1: Skeets for it. For sure. yeah. This is giving you
0: the best of, of kind of all worlds. And and that's what was was so fun about this this opportunity to, to introduce the first third jersey in the organizational history, be able to have someone like Marty so heavily involved in the design process. It was important for us to have the storytelling behind this. And so there are a number of pieces kind of hidden throughout this jersey. Now you mentioned the the first one. There's striping across the across the shoulders, across the sleeves as well as the socks. They kind of pay homage to to the history of hockey in New jersey. So the Newark Bulldogs in 1928-29 in were the first professional hockey team in
2: New Jersey. So and then we had a stock market crash so no wonder they couldn't have tickets. Yeah, nobody bought tickets during that. Yeah.
0: It, it was it was a quick one, but uh, it was part of the inspiration for this nonetheless. And so, and then you start talking about some of the other hidden meanings kind of behind the jersey. There are 21 total stripes on this jersey that represent and, and pay tribute to the 21 counties in New Jersey. Um, you have the laces at the neck, which are modeled and designed after a bowling net or a hockey net. So, again, paying tribute to, to Marty. You talk about kind of the red drop shadow and what that pays tribute to. Red has been the primary color for this organization since we, we came to New Jersey 40 years ago. So you start to layer in all these elements of, of storytelling, and it makes it that much you know, more special for, for us, for our players, for our alumni who have always wanted a black jersey. Uh, they're incredibly envious that they can't play in this. Um, but then you have our young guys, and you know, we talk a lot about kind of paying homage to the roots and the legacy of the Devils in hockey in New Jersey while also taking a bold step towards the future and modernizing this look as we enter a new era of devil's hockey.
1: What part of your balance sheet sees this more? Is it the merchandise side or is it the content side? I mean, there's obviously a huge announcement. I'm seeing this jersey everywhere right now because it came out today. Um, Is this more of a merchandise sales thing or is this more of a, you know, digital marketing kind of thing?
0: You know, I I would say this is the the merchandise is, is fantastic. The revenue that comes in from that is great. It's awesome for the brand. This is, so much of this is, is the content element of this. And, and we're fortunate to have some incredible people, you know, whether it is uh, Lars Scotty Weems, Pete Albeats, Jillian Frechette, who, who have been so heavily involved in, in this process, in this launch. This is something that we committed to as, as we were working with Adidas and the league to wear for the next three years. So we can wear this anywhere between 12 and 15 times each of the next three years. Um, we're going to wear it 13 times this year as, as a nod to, to our captain, number 13, Nico Hishier. Um, But there are so many extensions that come from this. And then as you fast forward and you look ahead to next year and the opportunity to have a patch on, on the sweaters, there are going to be some critical and key components. But you talk about the content and the sco- storytelling that comes from that and how you can bring this to life and the different extensions that you can have from both a brand standpoint as well as, as sponsorship standpoint, uh, it provides a tremendous amount of opportunities for us to continue to grow around the business.
2: You've done a great job there, Jake, but you just, I mean, you haven't said Dawson Mercer yet. Like he, like I, you know, I I was waiting for you to like really promote the young guy who seems to be gaining in pie. You said Nico, you said Jack Hughes, I'll say Dawson Mercer for, you know, Edmund probably get to the scouting report soon on that, but a very basic question. And I'm not sure what the answer is. Who is the primary New Jersey devil customer? Who, who is that boom, center, perfect part of the dartboard? Who is that customer?
0: You know, it's, it's really interesting. Because of where we're located, we so often get bucketed just into the larger New York demo and, and the metro area. And when you look around kind of where we play and, and compete, there are 11 professional sports teams um, in this market. And so for so often, Jersey was just bucketed as part of New York. And that was something we deliberately took a look at um, several years ago and said, Jer- Jersey can be a standalone market. When you look at the household income, it's one of the wealthiest states in, in the country. Fortune 500 companies that are based here around, you know, uh, around the city, around the state, you know, there was an opportunity to make sure that Jersey was a standalone market. And we take a tremendous amount of pride. We are the only team that has literally and figuratively Jersey across our chest and Jersey in our name. There are a lot of, of other teams that practice here, that play their games here, but don't necessarily have Jersey in, in their name. And so that was an important ele- element for us from a brand standpoint. Then you look at a business standpoint, Prudential center is a top seven building in the world. And so oftentimes that was just kind of bucketed as like, OK, we're going to hit, you know, New York, we'll hit MSG. Maybe we'll hit Barclays. And, and oftentimes, Crystal Center was not necessarily looked at as a standalone opportunity and a standalone stop for a lot of these tours. And Sean Seda, who is who incredible, him, Tyler Bates, Dylan, what go from, from our crew and the event side, have done an unbelievable job of kind of branching out and rebranding this as a destination. And we've seen incredible growth from that aspect. But our fan base has traditionally been, you know, that 45 to 55 year old male. And, and that's great. One of the things that we're focused on, and one of the things that we're actually really excited about this third jersey providing is an extension to get a little bit younger, to reach a younger demographic. This jersey, along with, we're going to have a, a full line of merchandise that comes off of this as well, um, one that will benefit the, the Devil's Youth Foundation and be able to give back to, to the community where we live, work, and play. Then another element is more of a lifestyle brand. And, and that's a, a really interesting opportunity for us to be able to engage a, a different demo that has maybe not traditionally been a Devil's fan, but be able to draw them in from a lifestyle standpoint, um, win them over, give them the opportunity to kind of fall in love with Ados Mercer, with Jack Hughes, with Mackenzie Blackwood, with Nico Heesher and be able to go on this ride and be able to really grow that next generation of double fan.
2: All right, we're going to make you stick around for our closing because, you know, we want to and we can. By the way, this is where we do some Twitter stuff. You, you are at Jake Reynolds 24. What's the 24?
0: 24, this goes fast. That was my basketball number dating back to when I was about 12 years old. You know so- what?
2: Let's keep it Jersey that we should be having, If if we had like really all the tools at our disposal right now, I would fade up Springsteen's glory days right now. Oh! You're, go, you're going back to like, you know, when I was 18, when I was 60, I 42 points against Hunterdon uh, County. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me about your, give me your athletic exploits.
0: Now I live it vicariously through my three daughters and, and I coach all of them and their team. Uh, the problem is I've had my nieces, nephews, other siblings, everyone in my family has adopted the number 24, except for three people. That's my three daughters, which I, I can't get, I've. I've incentivized them. I've bribed them. I've done everything I could to get them to take the family number. And they're holding out strong. So
1: they- I uh, just
2: i just think you're dangling the wrong carrot. You'll get there. Just keep trying. Or they're holding out for a better offer. All I think you good. tell them
1: they can't have 24. And that's how you get there them to you go. 24. Reverse yeah. <laughs> psychology. I love
2: it. There you go. All right. He's Jake Reynolds, Devils President again on the Twitter at Jake Reynolds 24. The other guy with the hat on backwards is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnik on Twitter at Soshnik. Our social media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves when I remind you that the show is at Sporticast, which is the hub of what very soon will become, I promise you're going to love what I have coming, the epicenter of the Sportico Podcast Network.